Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. My name is Kino Loy. I'm the day shift manager on level five. I'm speaking to you from the command center on level eight. We are at this moment in control of the facility. Is that the best you got? How long we hang on, how far we get, how many of us make it out, all of that is now up to us. We have deactivated every floor in the facility. All the floors are cold. Wherever you are, right now, get up. Stop the work. Get out of your cells. Take charge and start climbing. They don't have enough guards and they know it. If we wait until they figure that out, it'll be too late. We will never have a better chance than this. And I would rather die trying to take them down than giving them what they want. We know they fried a hundred men on level two. We know that they are making up our sentences. As we go along, we know that no one outside here knows what's happening. And now we know that when they say we are being released, we are being transferred to some other prison to go and die. And that ends today. There is one way out right now. The building is ours. You need to run, climb, kill. You need to help each other. You see someone who's confused, someone who's lost. You get them moving and you keep them moving until we put this place behind us. There are 5,000 of us. If we can fight half as hard as we've been working, we will be home in no time. is going on happy tuesday kansas city my kc morning hoes tuesdays y'all know what we do we take back america myself professor harvey jk the professor emeritus over at the university of wisconsin green bay reclaiming our radical history just what we do got a damn good playbook a progressive playbook let's go back to that thing yeah on the show today we catch up with the good professor Talk a little football because, you know, Casey, GB, I lost a bet, so we're going to talk about that. Also, we talk about holiday solidarity, Christmas with my comrades. <laughs> That's pretty good. 
And especially now, you know, everybody wants to avoid the tough conversations this holiday season, but we got to have these conversations this holiday season and all of them. And it just so happens that a certain former president would happen to agree with us. So we're going to talk about that. If you've listened to this show, if you've listened to me or Professor K, you probably have an idea what president we're talking about. Rate, review, subscribe. Do that thing, KC. Do that thing you do. Back in yo feeds tomorrow. Got some music tomorrow. Yeah. It is a good day to be a Kansas City. We will see you in the morning. Bye. They are unanimous in their hate for me. And I welcome their hatred. The KC Morning Show. On January 11, 1970, victory belonged to Hank Stram and his Kansas City Chiefs. TV9 News special report, close up the flood of 77. From the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri, it's Milwaukee Bucks against the Kansas City Kings. Now Kansas Citians must decide what happens next. What is to follow the city's Holy Week riots? I am here at the American Royal World Series of Barbecue. Daryl Motley awaits, and the Kansas City Royals are world champions. Professor Harvey K., my brother. He is the Professor Emeritus over at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. Yes, that Green Bay. And folks can't see this because we are doing this virtually. Let me tell them. Let me tell them. Go ahead. Paint that picture, Harvey. Okay. So Hartzell and I, let me start here. The fact is that for as long as we've been doing this Take Back America, We've talked about the Packers, the Chiefs, and, you know, I accepted the fact that last year, was it last year or two years ago? Last year. Last year. Time's, time's a very fleeting and, and flighty thing these days. So we lost, okay? Which not surprising. I mean, you guys are the world champs, and you became the world champs last year. And I had every expectation that this past weekend when the Packers played the Chiefs, to myself, I thought, this is going to be a surprising game. The Packers are capable of surprises. After the first half of the season, which the best word is shit. <laughs> it's like as if they turned on a dime, like like the finest running back turning on the dime, so to speak. And the first they beat the Chargers, then they beat the Lions. In fact, there was a joke here in Green Bay with my radio friends back before we had any idea that good times were ahead. They said, oh God, the next three weeks, think back to the Wizard of Oz, Chargers and Lions and Chiefs. Chargers <laughs> and Lions and Chiefs. Oh my! Oh my, right. Oh my. <laughs> So Hartzell visited me several weeks ago. I guess, was that like a couple of months already, I guess? Early October. And here we are, early December, right. And while you were here, I gifted you a Packers hat, which, by the way, is, I think it's like considered the 50s Packers cap, something like that. It says Packers across this top instead of the G in the middle. And you look great in it, by the way. You look great. So Hartzell's wearing that even as we speak. I kind of wish you'd move to Green Bay and become a Packers fan. Harvey, I said this to you off air, and I'm going to repeat it now. If there's any team besides my beloved Kansas City Chiefs that I'm going to root for, it only makes sense in my radical heart to be a fan of the only fan-owned team in the capitalistic cesspool that is the NFL. 
with that in mind, Harvey, go pack go. I'm going to applaud in case you're wondering what you're hearing. I knew from the beginning that you actually liked Love and you wanted him to succeed. Jordan Love. I texted you, Jordan Love looks like a star and I really want him to be I'm a star. I'm glad you said that. Your friend and mine, the guy I work with on the Economic Bill of Rights stuff, Alan Minsky. So he called me yesterday in good part to talk about upcoming projects with you. And he started to say, I'm really glad you guys won. But, you know, it's not proof that the Packers really have a star quarterback. I actually said, I think I said, F you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, are you kidding? Right now, his first year stats are the same as Roger's first year yeah. stats. And by the way, that guy is cool. When he's back there now, man, he's got a damn good offensive line. It was great. I'm going to go so far out on a limb. I'm literally in the air. Okay. <laughs> I think the team you saw develop in these last three weeks will be a serious threat in the playoffs. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first from Harvey JK. So you're saying then on the record, so not just we'll do well, you think they're going to make the playoffs if they're going to do well in the playoffs. Right now, they're in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Right today. I accept the fact that the future is unknown. You know, here's what the mistake was. Our guy who's Emma Blankia, who's married to the incredible gymnast, Simone. Yes. She was in the stadium down on the field. Your celebrity yeah. was up in a box, you know, warming her tush up in the box. Even Simone Biles is a gymnast for the people. And because you've been so generous, I'm going to tell you that I'm rooting for Kansas City to go to the Super Bowl. And if the Packers aren't there, I will root for Kansas City to win against whatever the NFC team is, unless it's the Packers. Let's all get out of Green Bay. Let's get out of the cold. Let's warm up. <laughs> Let's sit by a fire and reset. It's not as if Kansas City doesn't get chilly days, right? You get cold days. Again, Harvey, I'm just trying to find an excuse. We didn't show up. We just didn't show okay, up. Okay, I'm sorry. I won't. <laughs> I'll stop harping on this. Let's get in the holiday mood. Hanukkah begins Thursday evening. Christmas is just over the near horizon. We didn't get to do a Thanksgiving show, but we will draw upon perhaps our best president ever, alongside Lincoln, FDR, and explain to people the idea you had because you came across an article by my friend of 25 years at least, John Nichols. You are now his friend as well. We know that. At least I hope everyone knows that now. So you explain what you came across and what we're going to do. Yeah, it was this great piece in The Nation that our friend John Nichols. He is literally their national correspondent. We only talk with the big wigs around here on That's Taking right. Back America, That's my right. friends. And so John has this piece out. It was released on Thanksgiving just a few weeks ago. And the title goes, FDR taught us how to talk politics on Thanksgiving. And so the subtitle says, the 32nd president used his holiday proclamations to call for, and I quote, the establishment on earth of freedom, brotherhood, and justice. And so I thought this would be a fun way as we are continuing the holiday season. You know, everybody knows the trope. Oh, I've got to have the conversation with my uncle at Thanksgiving, right? And so in these times, these consequential times that we're in, Harvey K., I equal parts don't want us to have to have that conflict at the dinner table. But also, I want us to realize that we need to have some of these conversations at the dinner table. Who else also agreed with us? One, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You know, we see now the tweets that come from every elected official for every holiday. It's all canned responses. That's not what FDR did. FDR used these moments as, you know, an extension of the bully pulpit. And with that, 
Professor K, break it down. Okay, so what John did, John Nichols, is he pulled some excerpts, some paragraphs from FDR's 1930s Thanksgiving Day proclamations. And so what Hartzell and I will do is we've got three different, not clips, that's a video thing. Excerpts? One from 1933, the first of his Thanksgiving proclamations, which was in the truly the depths of the Great Depression. The second one will be from 1934, when Roosevelt is implementing the New Deal effectively enough so that that November, the Democrats won even more seats and controlled Congress. And then one from 1935, when European fascism is really marching across that continent. And I want to point out, I know the criticism, I know we're going to hear it, Hartzell. We know full well that this is the age of Jim Crow segregation in the South. Okay, we know that FDR was not a champion of civil rights, but it's also the case he did far more than any other president in American history up to that time other than, say, Abraham Lincoln. And the key thing is to remember is that he had a Congress that, however democratic it was, was filled with Southern white supremacist Democrats. So if he was going to pass labor reform, empower workers, if he was going to pass Social Security, which was a universal program, except for the fact that it left out certain classes of working people who were themselves predominantly African-American, he had to literally compromise. We mentioned the faults and flaws and failings, but I will say this, you know, my great-grandmother had a portrait of FDR in her house, you know, and that was the norm for a lot of Black families. I sent you a quote. I'm reading this book on Black socialists, actually. Yeah. Ooh, in fact, I found it. So this author, her name is Blair L.M. Kelly. She has a book out called Black Folk, The Roots of the Black Working Class. And this is a story that she's recounting of, I believe, her grandmother. I know it's a family member, but the quote is, she closely followed President Franklin D. Roosevelt's New Deal, as well as the work of his, and I quote, Black Cabinet. Like most Americans, she closely followed the war, worried as much about the men fighting for democracy abroad as she was about the fight for democracy at home. Distraught at the news of FDR's death in 1945, Brunel took her still little girl firmly by the hand to see President Roosevelt's funeral train as it passed through 30th Street Station on the way to New York. Even though she did not cry often, tears welled in her eyes as she saw the casket inside the brightly lit car. She worried that no other president would care as much for black people as she believed FDR had. I could go on and on about the fact that the one-dimensional view of FDR is a terrible mistake historically and doesn't serve our purpose as well. This is an excerpt that our friend John Nichols selected from the 1933 first Thanksgiving proclamation in the depths of the Great Depression. FDR wrote, May we ask guidance in more surely learning the ancient truth that greed and selfishness and striving for undue riches can never bring lasting happiness or good to the individual or to his neighbors. May we be grateful for the passing of dark days, for the new spirit of dependence one on another, for the closer unity of all parts of our wide land, for the greater friendship between employers and those who toil. He might have been exaggerating that one a little bit, by the way, but he was really on the side of labor at that moment. For a clearer knowledge by all nations that we seek no conquests and ask only honorable engagements by all peoples to respect the lands and rights of their neighbors. For the brighter day to which we can win through 
by seeking the help of God in a more unselfish striving for the common bettering of mankind. Nichols wrote, here was a president seeking not to deny economic turbulence, but to offer a vision for the country to respond to that turbulence as a united citizenry rather than as isolated individuals. And then John will go on to mention that this message was a constant for FDR, as you know, Professor K, as he implemented the New Deal. And so we fast forward now a year later. This is his proclamation on Thanksgiving in 1934. He says that during the past year, we have been given courage and fortitude to meet the problems which have confronted us in our national life. Our sense of social justice has deepened. We have been given vision to make new provisions for human welfare and happiness. And in a spirit of mutual helpfulness, we have cooperated to translate vision into reality. He continues, More greatly have we turned our hearts and minds to things spiritual. We can truly say, What profits a nation if it gains the whole world and lose its own soul? With gratitude in our hearts for what has already been achieved, may we, with the help of God, dedicate ourselves anew to work for the betterment of mankind. Now we'll move yet again a year later. And this one we've split in two. A year later, concerned by the rise of European fascism, Roosevelt was at his most poetic, John Nichols says. And here we go. In traversing a period of national stress, our country has been knit together in a closer fellowship of mutual interest and common purpose. We can well be grateful that more and more of our people understand and seek the greater good of the greater number. We can be grateful that selfish purpose of personal gain at our neighbor's loss less strongly asserts itself. We can be grateful that peace at home is strengthened by our growing willingness to common counsel. Hartzell, I'm about to step on your toes. Take it away. We can be grateful that our peace with other nations continues through recognition of our peaceful purpose. But in our appreciation of the blessings that divine providence has bestowed upon us in America, we shall not rejoice as the Pharisees rejoiced. War and strife still live in the world. Rather, must America, by example and in practice, help to bind the wounds of others, strive against disorder and aggression, encourage the lessening of distrust among peoples, and advance peaceful trade and friendship? There we go. We're talking about things you know, as we're getting towards the holiday tables, no matter where you're at. You're celebrating with friends, family, whatever. The through line is that we can actually be centered around some radical thought, especially radical thought that proposes material benefits in your life. Why am I saying all this? Well, what I'm saying is, friends, if you are looking for some radical thought to bring folks together, I have a suggestion. You know what brings folks together? A 21st century economic bill of rights. If I talk to a guy at Lake of the Ozarks with a Dale Earnhardt shirt, who, guess what, might have even voted for Hillary Clinton. He can't stand the Clintons, but he also f***ing hates Trump. So how can I address that guy who has felt now even more so now than then that he's not being talked to? And so when that person gets to the dinner table, it ain't going great in my life. And I could say, you know why I'm not doing better is because somebody else is. And that's how you stoke these reactionary sentiments without even addressing the problem. So what if we said, I got a thing, 21st century economic bill of rights rooted in history like FDR and Bayard Rustin, MLK, the right to 
Healthcare, that's yours. The right to, I don't know, bargain collectively with your homies so that y'all can all get improved lives and conditions. And you know what? Now we're not talking about some ass politician. We're actually talking about what is in each and every one of our collective self-interests. Am I making sense? Am I preaching? What am I saying here, RBK? What am I saying? <laughs> I am going literally add nothing to that. That was so beautifully said. And you know that I usually like to add a little bit, but I'm not going to. You don't need to add any bit because guess what? I got most of that from you, my brother. That's why you don't have to add anything. Well, thank you. That was like a Hanukkah gift for you to say that. Thanks. Uh, my brother, I love you. Where can these folks go to find you on the internet? Well, sadly, still on Elon Musk's <laughs> X. It's Twittered us. Exactly. It's H-A-R-V-E-Y, initial J-K-A-Y-E, Harvey J-K. Everyone's welcome. The more the merrier. Maybe we can take back America even on the pages of Twitter. <laughs> you can get me at Hardsoul965. You get the show, the KC Morning Show, at KC Morning Show on Twitter, the KC Morning Show on Instagram. Do we want to give them a little, little teaser? Next week, Hartzell will fill in with something, okay, because I'm going to be on the road next week. The week after, our plan, our plan is to use a little Walt Whitman to address the hopes and aspirations of young people in favor of Christmas and the New Year. And then at some point, Hartzell and I are both going to watch the film Rustin, which, of course, we both have a little yeah. anxiety about the fact <laughs> that it was produced by the Obamas, but Baird Rustin deserves a major film about him. Bayard Rustin, you'll discover, was the right hand of A. Philip Randolph, the man who organized the March on Washington in 1963. I guess that's a taste of what's to come. I've always had a great admiration for Rustin, and I'm very eager to see the film, and we'll be honest about it after we've seen it. Professor Harvey K., my brother. We got a lot on our plates this holiday season, but I can't think of a better radical, a better comrade to do it with than you. And of course, Lorna K., the wonderful Lorna K., your wife. Thank you. That's very sweet. Very sweet. So I'll see you soon. We'll chat soon, brother. Go Pack Go. Oh, gosh. Thank you. <laughs> Cha-cha-cha, Chiefs. <laughs> this song is uh, four years old. The reason I know that is I wrote it on election night last time around. And as freaked out as everybody is about this one, I was pretty freaked out last time. And it wasn't about who won or who lost. It was just about much difference it was going to make no matter who won. Um, I mean, things are going pretty good in this country right now and for a lot of people. And they were during the last election. This one was interesting. We learned that uh, Al Gore invented the internet. We learned that George W. Bush can occasionally string a sentence together. And that Ralph Nader doesn't care and doesn't think that Roe versus Wade is important one way or the other, whichever side of the issue you're on. 
course, he's not real likely to ever get pregnant. But um, when it's all over and they're done counting ballots, I wonder. No, I don't. I have serious doubts as to whether it's going to make any difference in the lives of people in East Austin, South Nashville, Kensington and Philadelphia, and literally thousands of other communities like that. I can show you places in your own country look like what you would associate with a third world nation and some of them are very very close to here I think what's lacking in the process this go around is heroes and this is a song about heroes it's about my heroes and not all my heroes because then the song would have been longer than this election it, uh, feel free to insert your heroes wherever you see fit. It's Christmas time in Washington and Democrats rehearsed Getting in gear for four more years. Now things not getting worse. Republicans drink whiskey neat, and I thank your lucky stars. They said it cannot seek another term. There were no more FTRs. Tennessee staring at the screen I'm uneasy feeling in my chest I'm wondering what it means So come back Woody Guthrie Come back to us now Jesus, maybe he can help us out. Come back, would it get through to us now? Traveling days, and so I failed to find you.
real Now stumbling through the haze But there's killers on the highway now And a man can't get around So I sold my soul for a wheels that roll Now I'm stuck here in this town so come back, would it go through? Come back to us now To ask for paradise Rise again somehow If you're running Elvis Maybe he can help us out Y'all, there's foxes in the hen house And there's cows out in the corn Our unions have been busted And the proud red banner is torn But if you listen to the radio They'll tell you all is well I'll put you and me And Cisco know it's going straight to hell Come back to us now